Hi there, I am Abigail Croft, co-host of the Bridge Breakthrough podcast alongside my colleague and great friend Scott Taylor. Every episode we sit down and have a chat with inspirational change leaders from around the world. We hope our podcast provides insights, inspiration and ideas that can support you to create change for yourself, your organisation and the world that we all share. This episode, Scott sits down with Shashi Vallath. Shashi is the director of the Bridge Institute and a fascinating human being who's worked as a wartime correspondent in some of the hottest conflict zones in the world as well as for Amnesty International. Shashi is a philosopher and a poet and works tirelessly for social change and to make a difference in our world. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, thanks, Shashi, for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time um, to catch up on our podcast. Um, I'd love to start just quickly, a couple questions, getting to know you, our listeners getting to know who you are and where you are and, and what you're up to. So um, first of all, I guess, where are you? What, what's on your desk or what's, what's around you? Where, where are you sitting right now? Um, thank you so much, Scott, for having me in your podcast. I'm in Bangalore uh, in South India. And, you know, right now, you know, very actively involved in putting together one of Bridge Institute's premier projects in India on SDG 17, uh, which is called Kalinga Fellowship. I know you've been part of Kalinga Fellowship and, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful program that brings together leaders from government, uh, business and civil society. Uh, non-profits and special purpose organizations, everyone together in the room for a week um, to discuss solutions that could be implemented uh, on gender equality. And as you know, this would be the third year uh, uh, that we would be uh, doing this fellowship. And so far, you know, we've, we've worked with almost 160 Kalinga Fellows and, you know, two years of very good work. And, you know, just one last point on this. SDG 17 really is, um, uh, you know, a very critical uh, sustainable development goals because it calls for putting together partnerships to solve. And what Bridge does very effectively is, you know, through the lens of SDG 17, uh, look forward to uh, solving other SDGs. And so that's what the fellowship is all about. Amazing. Amazing. Well, we'll, we'll definitely jump into the to the, uh, the Kalinga Fellowship and, and I'd love to hear more about um, what that is and, and the change that it's having in, in India there. Before I do, I'd love to hear just a bit of where you're from and, and how, how you ended up where you are now working for the Institute and kind of your journey, journey to present day. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, this, is, this is always an interesting question uh, when you face this question as an Indian. So, you know, because <laughs> multiple languages and multiple states and, you know, multiple ethnic groups, uh, you know, all caught together, you know, in this multi-religious, multicultural country. So I am ethnically, you know, from South India, from the state of Kerala, uh, you know, which, you know, which by, you know, is also known popularly as God's own country. It's a, it's a beautiful uh, state. But I grew up, um, you know, in, in North India, I went to to, to university and college in, in Calcutta, in Eastern India. I spent a lot of time working in Delhi. 
you know, in the media. So uh, a lot of my 20, 22, two decades plus was spent as a war journalist and investigative journalist. Uh, you know, and then I moved to social sector organizations. Uh, and now I'm with uh, Bridge Institute, which is a non-profit arm of Bridge Partnership. And, and you know, and now, now, you know, I work out of Bangalore, but I travel a lot within India, you know, on our various projects. Fantastic. Well, yeah, it sounds like a, a very wide and winding journey to, uh, to where you've been. I'm sure you've had a lot of fascinating experience to help you yes. in the role that you're yes. doing now. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, I feel very privileged and, you know, uh, you know, that, you know, and happy as well that I've had the opportunity, you know, to, to be in different situations, uh, lead different kind of organizations, you know, it's, it's, and also to see the world bottom up, you know, at the ground level as a, as a war journalist, war correspondent, and as a field journalist, and also as an investigative journalist, I spent a lot of time in India and other conflict theaters across Asia being on the ground and looking at, you know, uh, sort of, you know, uh, human existence and the conditions in which people live. Uh, mm-hmm. That has been, uh, you know, uh, that has helped me in my own growth. And then, you know, working for social sector organizations have also enabled me to to look at, you know, look at other facets of society, and not as a questioning journalist, but more as, you know, sort of an empathetic observer. Mm-hmm. And now with Bridge Institute, you know, given all, you know, sort of, you know, that I've done in my life, I'm, you know, I find great purpose in inspiring leadership in people, uh, enabling them to come together to create a more fairer, joyous world in harmony with nature. And I think Bridge Institute is allowing me to do that, working in collaboration with, with colleagues in Bridge, uh, you know, like yourself. And I think it's a great opportunity that we've been given uh, to do what we do. Fantastic. I mean, before we jump into the, into the change topic, I'd just love to ask one more question of, you know, like, what are three, three things about you that are heart to who you are? So if you were to define yourself in three statements, what would they be? I, I think I'm a very uh, empathetic person. I, you know, I like to get all sides of the story, but more importantly, uh, you know, I have learned over the years. Uh, it's been, a, a, you know, it's been a skill that I've, been able to learn and pick up and deploy in my life to be able to step into somebody else's shoes and look at the situation from that person's perspective, not mine. Uh, you know, so I try to de- deploy cognitive empathy a lot, uh, you know, as, you know, as my sort of natural way of being. Um, I think the second thing about me um, is that I love to, I love to collaborate. Uh, I'm a natural team player. Uh, and, you know, um, uh, and perhaps maybe I, you know, I was not probably did not begin or start my career as a team player, but I, over the years, you know, started valuing the, you know, valuing the incredible openings that, that come up when we work as a team. So I think I'm a team player mm-hmm. and, you know, I also, I also like to take responsibility and be accountable for things that I've committed to do. Uh, because I think, you know, that, that ensures that, you know, I am vulnerable. Um, you know, I don't equate vulnerability with weakness, but I think vulnerability really is the birthplace of creativity, compassion, and courage and care. And, you know, by taking responsibility and holding myself accountable, 
I feel that, you know, uh, I am also embracing vulnerability. And it's, there's been times often enough, you know, when I've not really shouldered my responsibility as I should. And I've found that, you know, because of this attitude, I've found it easier for me to, 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 to hold myself accountable and say sorry and, and keep moving on. Mm-hmm. So I think these are the three things that, you know, sort of uh, are very core to my who I am. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, just hearing you talk those last three points and, and further into your introduction, I can tell that change, dealing with change, living in change has been a, a large part of, part of your life with the work that you've chosen to do. I, I'm wondering if you talk to me a bit about your relationship with change and or where you draw your inspiration from the realm of change. Uh, yeah, I'm very happy to, to, to talk about my relationship with change, you know, and, and it's, again, it's something that's evolved over time. Um, as an investigative journalist, you know, I got sucked into believing that, you know, every big expose or every big piece of investigation that held other people accountable would, you know, swiftly bring in change, you know, whether it was exposing corruption uh, in public affairs or, you know, uh, exposing, a, you know, a social problem that was on which there was not enough spotlight on. And oftentimes various stakeholders would would then come together shocked by what they have seen to actually say, you know, we are going to take action. And then, uh, and, you know, citizens would respond, uh, you know, to the investigations that we would put it out on the various media platforms that I work with and would, you know, there would be a sense of outrage. And then I suddenly noticed that, you know, and, you know, I would, I would lull myself into believing that that was enough, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as a public interest journalist that I'd done my job. And then I, I quickly realized that, you know, uh, just framing problems and, and, and exposing those problems were, were not enough because, you know, one could create outrage, but we were not sufficiently moving people at an emotional level and at a sort of at, at a mindfulness level for them to take action. And so I started, you know, really delving deep down into thinking, what is it that moves people to take action for things that they care? And, you know, I, I you know, and I realized, and I, I didn't know I was moving on a particular journey, but now when I look back and reflect, there was no other place that I would have actually arrived at uh, other than bridge because the, the quest really, you know, got redefined in a new way. But what really, you know, I got to understand about change was that, you know, you've got to get people together and then you've got to elevate their consciousness to a level where they are free of the, of various constraints or things that are holding them back, be the best versions of themselves before they can commit to taking, you know, any proactive decisions or committing to themselves to a plan of action. And I realized that that is vitally important. And, you know, and some of that processes reflect in the work that we do either in Kalinga Fellowship or in Kashmir and or in any other work that Bridge undertakes, whether it's with a government or a, or a corporate. It's like really getting the leaders in an organization or in society together and then getting them to arrive at a place both in their heart and in their minds from which then they can take, you know, meaningful action. If we expect people to just come together in a room and on day one and, you know, we decide, okay, this is what we want to do, uh, you know, which is what has happened in, in many occasions in other settings. What really happens is that, you know, great plans are made, but, you know, it is not backed by a inner self-realization and an inner commitment to take that forward. 
And I think that's what is unique about sort of what Bridge does. And I, my journey into Bridge has been co-terminus with my understanding of how change movements are set off. Yeah, I mean, I, I find that fascinating too of, of change movements and how do you motivate large populations like the Institute is trying to do with Kalinga. I, I'm curious as to what maybe one challenge that you've discovered in that process and one opportunity that you're really excited about with the, with the Kalinga Institute and the work that you're doing. I think the big challenge really is to get, get the mind space of, you know, the key decision makers that matter in mm-hmm. a particular context. I mean, that's the, that's the key challenge because it is often seen as a trade-off, you know, between things that need urgent attention now versus, you know, the ability to sort of still oneself for a few days and, you know, and the benefit that comes out of that process. So, you know, what I mean is, you know, every leader is always operationally driven and there are always things to do, right? Targets to be met, uh, you know, meetings to be held, you know, things that are ongoing that needs to be looked at. And I just wish that, you know, if, if those leaders are able to, you know, just get themselves off from that cycle, you know, of being on this continuous operational treadmill and give themselves this gift of going on a journey inwards, they would actually come out as very transformed individuals. And, I've, and, and then therefore it reflects on the work. So that's the big constraint and connected to the constraint is the opportunity because I have seen leaders who've given themselves this gift and have radically transformed not only their work, but the quality of the work and therefore the scale of impact. You know, I, I can talk about an example. I can talk about Dr. R.S. Praveen Kumar, a very senior, senior government of India leader, you know, working in the state of Telangana. He gave himself the opportunity of being a 2017 Kalinga fellow. And what he took back from that fellowship were incredible ideas, uh, which he put into practice in 2017, refined it in 2018, you know, ensured that the Kalinga Fellowship was held in his home state in Telangana, in the capital uh, city of Hyderabad. And, you know, and, 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 you know, the entire fellowship then got designed around the institution that he heads. And look at the tremendous impact. You know, one great example, one of the ideas that he propagated and, you know, picked up really from the Kaling, from Kalinga Fellowship was, you know, this entire idea that change making at scale can happen if you trigger off change making in a classroom and in the living room of a house. And so how did he, you know, how did he implement this idea? So 150,000 students during the summer vacation went and held discussions with their parents and with their community members on aspects of gender equality. So there were young people doing, you know, training and creating awareness on gender equality, you know, with adult groups. And, you know, we have had such a huge success on that, you know, half a million people trained or made aware every year uh, in 2017 and, and 2018. You know, and, and so, you know, what I, and, and Dr. Praveen Kumar says that the fellowship really helped him you know, open his eyes and, and, and become a transformative leader. Not that he was not a very effective leader before Kalinga Fellowship. But what happened in that process was that he became far more doubly transformative 
than he would have been, you know, if he had not attended the fellowship. So the constraint really is convincing people to go on an inward journey. And the opportunity really is that those who do come out, you know, uh, and create greater impact than otherwise they would have. Very interesting. I mean, as you're talking, what's coming up for me is the question around age, you know, as, as, as people get older and entrenched in their own beliefs, how is it an easier journey to convince elders in, in communities to take that inward journey or, or is it the youth that are influencing, like you said, going into the living rooms and, and influencing the elders? As it sounds like there's that, there's that decision to go inwards. And I'm just curious as to on that journey, is it more of a youth driven activity or, or are you finding it's equal or? I think, you know, um, I, I think there is now, you know, um, uh, sufficient an- anecdotal uh, evidence and, you know, uh, contemporary history being made by young people mm. to, 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 to very clearly suggest that, you know, uh, the young people and youth are really driving change uh, in our societies. And it's a global phenomenon. It's not restricted to one country, one society. Um, and I think our young people are, you know, thinking about issues very, very differently from, uh, from adults. For one, the young people are thinking of issues in a global framework, not as citizens of a particular country, not restricted to any particular geographical boundary. And, and I think that is also because they are very aware, you know, that our problems are global in nature now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we are a far more deeply interconnected world not only because of technology, but because of the problems that we've inherited through the patterns of living of uh, other generations. You know, for instance, the climate strike, the school strike that, you know, Greta Thunberg sort of inspired and activated has had both young and old people, you know, uh, young, old, not so old, every, all kinds of people participating. But it is a movement driven by young people. And if you look at, you know, if you look at protests in, in other parts of the world, uh, you know, including the region that you are in, you can see there are lots of young people, you know, who are, you know, in the forefront demanding change, asking for accountability. So there is, there is no question, you know, that young people are leading change uh, everywhere. And as, as, as Greta Thunberg said, you know, it is about their life. And so they want the decision makers, you know, who are elder to them to sort of, you know, help fashion a world in which they can, uh, you know, live happily and sustainably. But what I also find very important is that the sort of unleashing of new communication technologies have also challenged older generations, you know, forcing them to adapt. Uh, you know, and I think that's a very, very interesting third space, uh, you know, if I can call that, you know, where, where technology, where, where a lot of impetus from young people are also creating creating momentum for older people or those who are you know sort of in their 40s and 50s and beyond to really start thinking about how do we adapt to the demands of sort of a new pattern of living a new way of living on earth yeah so i think it is you know i think business as usual uh, is not an option anymore Hmm. Just as staying neutral is not an option anymore. And I think that is what the change-making impetus has, uh, you know, really driven, you know. So the quality and the, the timber, the quality, the tone of change 
is very different from you know other change making movements that we've seen in the past right yeah that sense of urgency i feel before we started our conversation just the the discussion around hong kong even um the change that we're seeing here and yeah these global movements they're they're rising in intensity and and a lot is driven by the youth absolutely you know we're talking about what's currently happening i'm wondering if there's anything any any advice or maybe some some points and tips for anyone out there looking to make to make change either within themselves or in their organizations or the communities that they they live in is there any tips or advice that you would give to to the listeners out there from your experience from from my experience i think you know uh, if one wants to look at uh, you know uh, oneself as an individual then probably it is a good starting point to think about three or four specific ideas slash skill uh, you know to take to make oneself you know think like a change maker the first point on that list would be to develop a deep sense of cognitive empathy i think empathy is critical for 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 anyone who desires to be a change maker as an individual or you know uh, be you know be part of a change making organization or setup or ecosystem empathy is is critically important and i know that you know uh, there were generations of people who who were taught uh, empathy at school or not taught really but you know you know told to be empathetic at school or in uh, you know at a community level or through faith based organizations or whatever but that kind of empathy was you know seen to be a, to 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 be a good to have value so you know equal to compassion or caring etc but the kind of empathy i'm talking about the cognitive empathy aspect i'm talking about is a skill the the skill to be empathetic the skill to 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 put yourself in somebody else's shoes and then look at the world or question the world not from your perspective but from somebody else's and i think you know every you know every individual now needs to needs to have that skill to be able to deploy cognitive empathy second i think the 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 entire idea of leadership has changed right now we live in a world where you know everyone has the potential to be a change maker and therefore a leader you know gone are the days when you had a few people as leaders and everyone as followers circling around those orbits now you know you know now everyone has to be personally responsible whether you know whether it is about reducing your own carbon footprint or whether it's about you know looking at your own consumption pattern or whether you know it's about ensuring that you know uh, you know that your that your ways of living and working are sustainable it requires every individual to look deeply within and you know take ownership of himself or herself and that requires leadership qualities so we live in a world where the idea of leadership is you know an idea of a distributed sense of responsibility and accountability everyone takes accountability for himself or herself so i think you know we we are in an era of new leadership where everyone is a change maker uh, my third point point would really be about the willingness to work in teams uh, the willingness to collaborate you know without because you know the kind of stuff that we need to do uh to change things around us we cannot do it by ourselves we should not even think you know that you know we can effect change by by being solo players uh i think we live in a world where you are of course very welcome to do solo travel because that's going on a journey inwards journey but you know when we do 
change making stuff we need to collaborate and work with others so that would be my third uh you know sort of skill set so the fourth the fourth quality i would like to talk about really is about uh, creative problem solving uh, or, or what i would say creative solutioning uh, it's you know uh, it has a new nuance to it because earlier we would frame problems and then look for solutions uh, so everything we looked at was from a problem lens but you know uh, we we live in a world where we need to look at everything at a, from a solution lens and then say what are the problems that need to be solved mm-hmm. so you know uh, it's a different way of looking at uh, at framing things so i think these are the four critical skills for for anyone to be you know uh, a change maker especially when we live in a world which is you know which which is highly irregular right i mean change is constantly happening i mean if you really look at the exponential rate of change from 17th century onwards it has it has rapidly increased so much so that you know now even companies can't look at you know uh, securing supply chains you know 6 months ahead in time when there was a time when people would secure supply chains for 10 years at a time mm-hmm. so we live in a you know like you said in a in a very sort of a vuka environment and you know a, the vuka world requires very resilient people and you know resilience comes from having a change making mindset where so you are able to adapt to situations and continuously sort of contribute to a ever changing world and therefore these four elements become very critical whether as an individual or you want to be a change making organization fantastic i love that concept of yeah the teamwork and and bringing these these parties together being able to work with people and i see that a lot in the sdg 17 um work that you're doing and 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 the fellowship um my last question request i guess is uh, i'd love to know what what else is going on in your world um is there anything that you'd like to to promote to our listeners anything that you raise any awareness with while we have you um yes so you know um you know right now sort of you know my focus uh, is is completely on increasingly bringing focus on uh, on sdgs and you know using the sdg 17 lens to really look at issues wide ranging yeah from 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 the quality of nutrition and how that's connected to the agrarian crisis uh you know uh, that that we are facing as societies and you know farmers in india are in a are in a state uh, where you know they need lot of support but you know you know what is that connection to agriculture and nutrition we are proactively looking at that we are looking at peace building which is literally uh, sdg 16 but looking at how do we create build peaceful societies through the lens of sdg 17 we are looking at health we are looking at issues of urban transport etc so there's a wide range of you know solutions that we are trying to look at and you know uh, and in that effort trying to bring together people to solve the problem so you know bringing various stakeholders to the table uh, d- designing strategies designing road maps and then getting you know uh, various stakeholders to to implement it jointly so that's the space that i'm currently in uh, scott and you know i would be very happy to few months down the line you know update you on that as well if there is an opportunity uh, but at this point in time so you know to, to anyone listening into this podcast 
I would say, you know, the, the world is really ready for and maturing and looking for a partnership-based approach to solve problems. And, you know, that's the way, you know, all of us should be headed. Mm. Fantastic. And for the listeners out there, for more information on the Bridge Institute, you can go to bridgeinstitute.org. Um, there's a lot of great information there. Uh, the Kalinga Fellowship, uh, is, there, is there a web address there? Or? Yes, uh, yes. Uh, uh, just a slight correction, uh, Scott. Uh, it's bridge-institute.org. Um, I always you know, forget the dash, sorry. Yes, it's the dash. The dash is important. But if you, if you just Google Bridge Institute, you would anyway get to the site. And, um, and, and Kalinga Fellowship is kalingafellowship.org, you know, and, you know, if there are any listeners out there who, who wants to participate in Kalinga Fellowship, which is being held between December 9th and 13th in Delhi, uh, you're welcome to apply. If you go to kalingafellowship.org, there's an application form and please fill it, fill it out and we'll get back to you. Fantastic. And what kind of person are you looking for to, to, to join the fellowship there. Anyone in specific skill sets, or is it open to anyone? Uh, we are we are looking for we are looking for business leaders who are uh, you know at senior management levels who are very keen to contribute to you know the uh, to achieving uh, gender equality, which is SDG Goal Five, either personally uh, motivated or if their organizations are you know very keen to contribute to SDG Goal Five either from a corporate social responsibility perspective or, you know, as part of their business uh, objectives, you know, we'd be very happy for them to, for them to apply. We are looking at uh, NGO leaders um, who work on this theme, you know, and want to contribute their experience and expertise to the fellowship. You know, we'd be very happy to receive them. And, you know, we are looking at, you know, people who work in government, and you know who would uh, you know want an opportunity to be exposed to uh, uh, SDG 17, and then subsequently want to take it back to their countries because the entire idea of Kalinga Fellowship is a 10-year commitment to SDG Goal 5. The first three years uh, till 2019 was designed to as an intervention in India, but we know that this is a global issue, and the Me Too movement has shown us that. Gender equality, you know, is a very critical issue of our times. It's a global conversation. And 2020 onwards, you know, we intend to take this movement uh, to other countries. So, you know, if there's anybody out there you know, from the government, you know, other governments who are listening in and wants to bring Kalinga Fellowship to their home country, you're very happy to apply and join the process now. Uh, so you see what's what happens in, in, in the Kalinga Fellowship. So literally, you know, these are the three sort of categories of people, Scott, that, uh, that we are applying. But, you know, there might be other influencers out there, uh, you know, decision makers and influencers out there who can uh, sort of activate or influence, you know, their societies. They are happy to, you know, we are very happy to receive them as well. So, you know, they can apply too. Well, thanks so much, Ashi. I really appreciate your time. And, and um, thank you for all of the great work that you're doing over there. Looking forward to seeing you soon and um, wishing you all the best. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for engaging me in a, in, a, in a wonderful conversation. Your questions were very incisive. I enjoyed talking to you and, you know, hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Can't wait to catch up again and, and get an update on how everything's gone. Thank you. Thank you.